This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News, Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. One Alabama congressman is revisiting his calls for the COVID-19 vaccine mandates to be ended within the U.S. military. Congressman Barry Moore signed on to a letter with other congressional members that was sent to Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. The letter points out that the Center for Disease Control has now changed its guidance regarding COVID-19 and that the Pentagon should as well. The letter says that the new CDC guidance does not distinguish between vaccinated or unvaccinated anymore and that the defense leadership should not be sacrificing military readiness and missing their recruitment goals in order to virtue signal with a disastrous policy. Moore's congressional district includes Maxwell Air Force Base along with Fort Rucker. There is a phone calling scam going around in the state of Alabama. The latest of these occurred in Lee County where local businesses were called by someone claiming to be from the U.S. Marshal's office. The call was for investigating counterfeit bills. The business owner was then told to collect all their ones and $5 bills and then to meet the U.S. Marshal in the parking lot and hand over that money as part of an investigation. The male or female posing as a U.S. Marshal would never return with the money. The Alabama Attorney General's office says impersonation of a law enforcement officer on the phone is one of the most frequent scams that they have to deal with. The AG's office says it's important to just hang up if you get a call like that. Law enforcement does not operate in such a manner over the phone when it comes to either paying a fine or tracking down counterfeit money. More details are out when it comes to a former state lawmaker who was accused of sexual assault this week. The affidavit in the case against Perry Hooper Jr. has the female victim claiming that the suspect grabbed the victim's breasts from behind along with close contact and unwanted kissing. State law describes sexual abuse as subjecting a person to sexual contact in a forcible way. Hooper has since been released on bond after the incident and arrest. Hooper was a state lawmaker in the Alabama House until 2003 and has been currently serving on the executive committee of the Alabama Republican Party. An officer within the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency is dead at the age of 51. Scotty Ballard died by suicide. Ballard was actually out on bond. He was to face sexual misconduct charges in Geneva County and second-degree assault charges in Covington County for hitting a pedestrian back in 2020. Ballard was an agent on the Vice and Special Operations Narcotics Unit within ALEA, The state agency did confirm Ballard's death in a statement and extended their deepest condolences to his family, friends, and co-workers. In the city of Birmingham, street racing or exhibition driving has become a growing problem and has included injuries and fatalities. Residents living within the city also say their quality of life has been compromised due to the vehicles out there at all hours of the night. The Birmingham City Council has now identified certain spots within streets where they are going to place new speed bumps. Jefferson County District Attorney Danny Carr is also issuing a warning to those involved in this dangerous racing habit, saying that there will be serious consequences to those who are caught in this reckless activity. And here's my third and final conversation with 1819 reporter Will Blakely about large companies here in Alabama who are ascribing and implementing to the ESG policies that first originated within the United Nations and World Economic Forum. So let's talk about the everyday uh, Alabamian who's hearing this and reading about this. And as much as we would like to just pretend it's all out there and it will never come to our doorstep, 
it's already here in Alabama in some of these larger corporations. You mentioned regions and um, the, uh, Alabama Power, yeah. Vulcan Materials. Was right. One of them. Right. And even Auburn University. And I, I hate to say that as an Auburn grad. So it's already here. And then it's just a matter of time before they start uh, horning into certain businesses and, and they, they don't meet the criteria of having the same goal, the same ESG goals or values. They could be squeezed out in a pretty much a heartbeat. All they got to do is have capital loans turned down for their furthering their businesses or uh, whatever they need to do to function as a business. Well, and even even companies that are going uh, that are going public or trying to be publicly traded, companies like BlackRock help them do that, and they can deny their help if um, if they don't meet that criteria. So there's a, there's a lot of impact. Uh, a mom and pop shop, they may think this never is going to affect them, but it will because it's involved. It's involving the slow creep of financial, a financial monopoly. Yeah. And, and I do, I do think that true monopoly monopolies are really only are true, true monopolies that are, that are not demanded by the consumer are really only in place uh, or only sustainable if they are sustained by some sort of uh, violent government intervention. And that's why I said it's, it's up in, in the air whether or not the market's going to weed this out eventually now that they're uh, investing purely off of um, using ESG criteria. Um, and even Sutter says that there are companies that are now Asset management companies coming out and saying that we're not, uh, we, we don't invest with ESGs. If you invest your money with us, we're going to invest in, in a way that's going to directly um, bring about a, that we believe is going to bring about a positive return on investment. And uh, all this other stuff, we're, we're not taking that into consideration because you're investing your money to preserve that money and to, beat inflation over time. In particular, we talked about the Retirement Services of Alabama, RSA, and how they're handling investments for state employees. Um, and I did, I did reach out to the Retirement Systems of Alabama, and they essentially said that they have no ESG, um, they have no ESG policy, but uh, they said that the, those criteria are still um, important. And then when I asked her uh, to clarify, I asked her a yes or no answer. They essentially repeated what they had said previously and declined to comment any further. Um, so I'm not exactly clear what the role of ESG is in the guiding of the investments insofar as state pension uh, because they weren't very clear. But I think if ESG plays any sort of role in guiding those investments, that's something that Alabamians should be concerned about and should be demanding answers for uh, because that's, that's their money that was taken from them. It's something that Alabama, most of Alabama wouldn't agree with or wouldn't want to participate in. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news, reaction and criticism continues to come in when it comes to President Joe Biden's decision to grant student loan forgiveness of up to $10,000 per person, depending on their level of income. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre 
defended the move when she was asked by a reporter, why now and why is this considered an emergency? The HEROES Act hinges on student debt cancellation being tied to the pandemic and that being a national emergency. But the administration argued in court that the pandemic is over at the southern Mm -hmm. border uh, to lift Title 42. It's so over that the government's going to stop buying vaccines in the fall and Mm -hmm. shift to the private sector. So how is this a national emergency? Mm -hmm. How's COVID a national emergency when it comes to student debt? So it's a a very good question, and I'm glad you asked it. Um, Look. We use the HEROES Act uh, because there are going to be some, be some people, when we lift the pause, that's still going to suffer. They're still going to have a little bit of a hard time. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons uh, that uh, uh, we made this, this decision. Uh, because as we're lifting up the pause, yes, you know, some folks may, the having not to pay for two years has been helpful to them uh, and are, we're able to save and we're able, are probably going to be able to, to uh, pay those monthly payments. But there's going to be some folks who are going to have a hard time. Uh, because um, uh, because they're just in a different bracket, right? It just because they it is they've they've probably had a hard time before. We have to remember this is a system. So he announced the pause, the lifting up the pause. He announced the ten thousand and up to twenty thousand for Pell Grant recipients, who, uh, as I said, uh, many of them have a household nearly making sixty thousand, and and half of that uh, half of the Pell Grant recipients are thirty thousand household, thirty thousand dollars a year household, uh, and so the other piece of that is a reform, right? Reforming uh, the system as well so we can help nurses, so we can help construction workers, uh, so we can help firefighters and making sure that their payment are cut in half as well. Because those members, some of our, these are some of our first respondents, right? Who also suffered so much uh, from the past, uh, past two years. So he wanted to make sure he gave them a little bit uh, of relief, understanding uh, that some folks, some folks uh, are just gonna have a little bit of a harder time, uh, even though uh, we're, we're coming out of a pandemic and the economy has been turned back on because of the work that this president has done. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis had this to say. If you're going to talk about debt, then you should look at, okay, who has benefited the most from all this exorbitant debt that's been taken out over the last generation? It's the universities. They have bloated administrative budgets. They have all this, although in Florida, since I've been governor, no tuition increases at our state universities. We haven't allowed that. Because all it does, all it does is they plow it in and they will, they will expand like the DEI office or something else like that. And it has no real impact on the quality of the education when they're raising the tuition. It just creates more administrative bloat. And that's been going on. And the colleges and universities have gotten a free ride at this. So, you know, my view is, is, you know, if you're going to do some type of student loan, you know, uh, relief, it's not really relief because people are still paying for it. But the people that should pay for it are not the American taxpayers. It should be the university should be responsible uh, for that. If they're producing people, they went deep into debt and their degree is not worth anything and they're not able to make enough money to pay it back, uh, well, then that's on them. And they've had an incentive to get more and more loans taken out and then put it in their pocket. So we should look at these universities. But what Biden is doing, uh, 
it's going to cause more inflation, which is what you just had one of Obama's economists come out and say, this is the worst time to do this. It's going to fuel inflation. This is not good policy. Obviously, the fairness and all that uh, is very important, uh, but it's not a good uh, fiscal or monetary policy. Um, and so, so you see that. But then you also have the fact that they're doing that with zero reform to the universities and the loans and everything that's happened that's clearly way, way out of whack. Uh, so, and then, you know, I think this is still important. Some people uh, uh, may not care as much. He does not have the constitutional authority to do this. He is. The National Coalition of Frontline Workers held a press conference on Thursday directly across from the White House. The organization is demanding an end to all COVID-19 mandates. The coalition involves those working in health care, fire and rescue, as well as law enforcement. The coalition is calling on President Joe Biden to terminate the national emergency order that he put in place due to COVID-19, as well as discontinue any vaccine mandates. The group says that the current emergency order is jeopardizing citizens and frontline workers by not allowing those who took an oath to serve and protect to do their job. In January of this year, the coalition took part in another rally held in D.C. regarding COVID vaccine mandates. That rally had speakers like Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Peter McCullough take part. A pro-life activist group called Operation Rescue is now issuing a report on states that are abortion-free following the recent ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court that placed Roe v. Wade back at the state level. There are now 13 abortion-free states that have banned the practice entirely and around 62 abortion clinics within those states that have stopped the practice. 18 of those clinics have closed down altogether. Operation Rescue says that 78 million Americans are now living in an abortion-free state. Those states include Alabama, North and South Dakota, Wisconsin, Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, Missouri, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson has now released a letter for the public to see regarding Hunter Biden's laptop and the FBI. The letter is being sent to the Inspector General of the U.S. Department of Justice. Johnson says in that letter that more whistleblowers have come forward to him from within the FBI, confirming that they were told by FBI leadership to not investigate the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop until after the 2020 presidential election. Johnson is calling on Inspector General Michael Horowitz to take further action in light of this evidence regarding FBI corruption. Johnson told Horowitz that the FBI cannot be trusted to investigate their own internal affairs and that the longer Horowitz waits, the harder it will be for him to find the evidence and truth in the matter. Horowitz has refrained from conducting his own investigation due to an ongoing investigation by the FBI. And the World Economic Forum is embracing augmented reality, artificial intelligence, and doing it for children. The WEF says there are rational and ethical reasons to implant children with microchips. The article by the WEF was placed on their website saying implant technologies could become the norm in the future with compelling arguments for replacing ingestible treatments in cases of dyslexia or food allergies for children. Kathleen Phillips is the one who authored the article. Phillips takes part in research and development that deals with nanoelectronics and digital electronics. Phillips says that ethical arguments are the only limitations regarding implantable technologies and that walking around with a microchip in your head is no different than a hearing aid or glasses and is all part of natural evolution. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. 
I'm Andrea Tice. I'll be back again on Monday. Until then, have a wonderful weekend. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 